By now, you've read the title, you've seen the reports, you've heard about the Magnificent Seven. Let's talk about what's going on in the ACC. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to all of you. This is a new episode of the H2P Podcast right here on DK Pittsburgh Sports. My name is Corey Chris, and Gary Morgan is out this weekend. Once again, after a week off where, you know, obviously summer, summer mode and taking some vacations and traveling around. So Gary will rejoin us next week. We're live currently on YouTube on DK Pittsburgh Sports on Pitt. Uh, and also we are found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, wherever podcasts are found every week uh, with a fresh episode of H2P. Again, I asked the question. You read it in the title. I asked it in the first sentence that I said in this very show. What is going on in the ACC? Now, if you've uh, been reading up on the reports across this past week, if you read my column that's live right now on DKPittsburghSports.com, you would know by now that there are some tremors going about within the ACC, and that obviously extends in the big scope to football and what's going on with the so-called Magnificent Seven. So to set things up, it really started with Florida State, and Florida State and Clemson are two of the seven that are really leading the charge in this. And it's basically about money, right? It's a big power struggle. It's about money. It's about who's getting the cut, who's getting paid out the most with this lucrative deal that the ACC really got into with ESPN as far as media rights. It's called the Grant of Rights, as you probably know by now, uh, through 2036. So the ACC and the 15 member schools, and this does include Notre Dame, are locked into this 20-year deal with ESPN to stick the league together, essentially. And right now, there are seven programs as we sit here uh, right now. Clemson, Florida State, I mentioned those two, Miami, North Carolina, NC State, Virginia, and Virginia Tech. Now, those seven are reportedly weighing their options to see, hey, how can we make some more money, a.k.a. how can we get out of this? And of course, when it comes to Pitt, Pitt right now, as of what we know, is not part of this magnificent seven. It would be, you know the rest of the ACC schools that are not looking uh, actively as a, as far as reports are concerned to get out of the league. But this isn't really about just that quote unquote, getting out of the league as I put it there. Really what this comes down to is how can the ACC find ways to make more profit? And that's really what this stems from. If you look at projections, if you look at these new deals at the big 10 and the SEC, of course, those two leagues that are expanding here within the next year and two, If you look at the deals that they have, if you look at what kind of money they are set to make, it's very evident to see. It's very clear to see the ACC is just not going to make that much money over however long and and however much that spans, right? So what does the ACC have to do? Quite frankly, and as far as we are aware when it comes to this grant of rights, which again, it's a a 20-year contract that was signed in 2016 to essentially hold the ACC at, at the will and the mercy of ESPN, right, uh, through 2036. Right now, not many options are on the table for these ACC schools, and that's why these seven schools, there are attorneys, they're, you know, presidents, they're getting together to say, how can we loophole through this? How can we slip through this? Because, they, quite frankly, they just want to make more money. Now, I want to be frank when I say this. This isn't seven ACC schools, quote unquote, desperate to leave. 
This is not a desperation tactic. This is not an ACC back against the wall against each other because of this deal. They are still profiting. They're still making money. However, they're trying to see how they can make more of it in comparisons to the schools in the Big Ten and the SEC. You know, when it comes to the realignment, and of course, college football is very much moving. It's very much trying to expand the ACC. This, according to ESPN, has been looking at expansion options. Oregon, Washington, Southern Methodist, West Virginia. But money has to line up in all of it, right? And the issue that the ACC is running into is not only is the money really locked in with ESPN and, and Disney, really. It's a Disney corporation, but ESPN is the, of course, you all know it's ESPN. You know, when it comes to the money that the ACC is locked in with ESPN, it's hard to get out of. And that's the first and foremost thing. Teams can leave the league. That option is completely on the table. But what it would cost to leave the league is a cool $120 million. And I want to make sure that we're aware that the ACC schools can't just do what they want. You know, there's a $120 million exit fee. That's the reported number plus whatever it might cost to actually break the grant of rights. And obviously, no school has tried this before, so it's not that easy. You know, this is an airtight grant of rights that is locked in. And quite frankly, we don't know if it's possible for ACC schools to break it right now. So it doesn't take much to see why Florida State is the one to start it. You know, they, you know they're saying, hey, this re- revenue distribution, it's equal distribution. We don't like that. We want to make more money. You know, Florida State starting this and, you know, the ACC kind of is backed into its own corner. But also, I think this is a matter of short-sightedness in a way. And I wrote about this last week, if you looked at it on DKPittsburghSports.com. It's a little bit of short-sightedness because, you know, they went ahead and committed to a 20-year deal. And they gave ESPN essentially carte blanche to create the ACC network under that umbrella. So, that runs until 2036. And as far as we're concerned, there's 13 years left and there's no out. So that's what these schools are looking to do. Now, what does this mean from a Pitt perspective, right? Pitt, of course, is entering year 10 in the ACC. They are entering year 10 in this league away from the Big East. And there's no rumblings whatsoever of Pitt looking to get out anytime soon. Of course, Heather Lake has a lot of programs stable right now. She has a lot of programs winning right now. Yes, there are a couple that are, you know, hiring new head coaches and starting off anew, but by and large, football obviously just made the most money in the ACC from the 21-22 revenue calendar year after the ACC football championship. You look at basketball and their return to the NCAA tournament. You look at how some of these programs are just taking off under Heather Lake and how they're succeeding and winning. Look at women's volleyball and wrestling as good examples. So really Pitt is in a comfortable spot in the ACC and they just made a lot of money from being in this league and winning the football championship in 2021. So from a Pitt perspective, if you're looking for that, and maybe I took a little too long to get here and maybe I could have started off with this in this show, but you know, from a Pitt perspective, they're pretty comfortable right now in this league. You know, of course, they're not making as much money as, say, an Ohio State or, say, a Penn State or maybe one of the Big Ten programs or one of the SEC programs. But when you can look at Pitt, the vacuum of the ACC, they're doing pretty well. So they're not a part of that magnificent seven that's supposedly looking at options to get out. And quite frankly, the airtight deal that is 
um, the grant of rights. And you're going to hear anybody that's talking about this say grant of rights until they're blue in the face, because that's the thing that people are looking at. That's the thing that's holding this conference together. And that's the thing that's going to be breached if people are going to leave the league. So a lot to be determined, a lot to be had, a lot to be seen as far as what the future of the ECC is concerned. It's going to be a shorter show today on my end because, quite frankly, been a quiet week in Pitt Athletics, but I did want to get into one football topic and one basketball topic in segment, in segment two and segment three. Over here in segment two, after I take this short break, I want to talk about football, and I want to talk about not just, of course, the, the revenue and all that stuff that they have achieved and being the most lucrative ACC football program after that ACC championship. But why do you think, and why do I think, not only Pitt can stand to benefit from staying in the ACC, but why do I also think that Pitt can maybe take that next step to not only generate some more revenue for itself, but why do I think Pitt has a solid chance, and this is maybe on a high end, of why Pitt football, I think, can surprise some people in the ACC. I want to get to that in segment two, which I'll do here shortly. Segment three, I want to get into basketball because it's been quiet on that front. Jeff Capel has quite literally missed on a couple of prospects that he spent a lot of resources and time on. So where does Pitt basketball go from here after really a a quiet offseason since getting uh, Ish Leggett out of the transfer portal? So we'll take that first break right now here on the HGP podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. We'll be right back with segment two. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, segment two on the here on the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen with you. Gary Morgan is out this week, a shorter version of the H2P podcast this week. Let's talk about football. And, of course, the first segment was spent heavily on the grant of rights, on the ACC, and what the future of the conference holds. But when it comes to Pitt, they're doing pretty well in this league. And that's why, as of right now, as of the reports are indicating, as of uh, the tea leaves, if you were to read those, Pitt is currently not actively looking to get out of the league. And and in my opinion, why should they? You know, they just came off the football championship in 21. They have a really good, stable ACC football program under Pat Narduzzi. Of course, he's he's been in this position for a while now as the head coach at Pitt. And quite frankly, when you look at the numbers, when you look at the revenue, when you look at what kind of money the ACC championship brought to this program, why would they want to leave? And I see opportunity for Pitt not only to have a strong season like they did in 21, a strong season, albeit based on some expectations, maybe a little bit lowly to some in 2022. They finished with the top 25 ranking. They beat UCLA in the Sun Bowl, a really good bowl game. But what's the ceiling for Pitt in 2023? And I I say all that to 
kind of curtail what I said at the beginning of the show with the ACC and what's going on and what I mean about Pitt in the vacuum of why do they benefit from the ACC? You know, last year the expectation was that Keaton Slovis was going to come into this Pitt football program and not be Kenny Pickett, but get Pitt to a similar level that Kenny Pickett took them to. And I want to make that distinction clear because what Kenny Pickett did statistic wise and winning, you know, ACC player of the year and being a Heisman contender, that's all amazing. But that wasn't the expectation for Keaton Slovis. The expectation for Keaton Slovis was to win, was to get Pitt back to an ACC championship game, was to get them to contend again in the ACC. Evidently, that did not happen. We all know the Keaton Slovis story by now. He comes in, maybe he's not the leader they thought he was going to be, maybe he's not the quarterback anybody thought he was going to be, and now finds himself at BYU. So enter Phil Dracovic, a player that a lot of people, and I'm excluded in this, and I've stated my reasons why in columns and podcasts and every medium I can, about Phil Dracovic and his potential as the pit quarterback in 2023. You know, people think Phil is an upgrade over Keaton. There are reasons to think that Phil is an upgrade over Keaton as well. But when it comes down to it, it's about winning. It's about can Phil lead Pitt and that offense to posterity. And of course, in a new ACC, no divisions. It's all one big, you know, standings from this point out. What's going to happen with Pitt football in 2023? And more so, what is Pitt football ceiling in 2023 as far as wins are concerned? Now, Pitt last year, of course, gets to a good bowl game. They win nine games. They've won 20 games over the last couple of seasons. Not a lot of college football programs have done that. What's that magic number? And of course, that over-under total for Pitt at six and a half is the key figure to look at. That is what I thought at a first glance, at a first perspective, a low number. You know, you would think that a program that's won 20 games over the last two seasons and made their way to an ACC championship game and then another bowl game and then finished with back-to-back top 25s, you would think that program would be projected to finish at a higher rate than those last two seasons, right? Then maybe higher than six and a half, certainly. But then you look at everything, right? And you look at the rest of the ACC and you look at exactly what is going on around them. Florida State is projected to have a great season. You have Clemson. You have North Carolina with Drake May, who could win the Heisman. You have a lot of programs in the ACC that might be perceived to be better than Pitt. And that's why there's over-under win total. Now, when it comes to that six and a half, there are schools like Louisville. There are schools like Wake Forest that are right around there, or if not higher, then Pitt, and I'm not sure how I see that. And I want to make clearly known, and maybe I'm, I don't want to say I'm reaching on this, but I am a firm believer that Pitt will finish higher than that six and a half. I'm not sure if it's going to be seven. I'm not sure if it's going to be eight. I'm not sure what that number is going to be. But let me put it this way, okay? Do you sternly believe that Pat Narduzzi, who has gotten Pitt to bowl eligibility in every season that he's been here, is going, to do, is going to fail to do that in 2023 with Phil Dracovic, a player that is perceived to be better than Keaton Slovis. You see the conflicting factors here. I believe that Phil Dracovic can have a good season. He has to obviously work in with Kanate Mumfield and Bub Means and Dejon Reynolds and Gavin Bartholomew and all of his weapons. And there are players that are just not here from last year's team, namely Israel Banakanda, that figure to make huge marks on this season. Of course, is he going to you know, the NFL early and credit to him. He made the right decision, but 
what is the ceiling for the pit offense this year? Is it six and a half wins? No. Is it seven wins? Probably not. Is it eight wins? Okay, now we can have that conversation. I think at a maximum, Pitt is an eight to nine win team in 2023 once again. At a minimum, if things really go wrong, I see it as five wins. I looked at the minimum amount of games that Pitt can win this year. If you look at Wofford, if you look at Cincinnati, if you look at the non-conference schedule, which is tough, West Virginia and Notre Dame on the road, but then there are some ACC teams that they can beat. And there are some ACC teams that, quite frankly, are just not as good as Pitt is. I think that when you look at two guaranteed, in my opinion, non-conference wins against Wofford in Cincinnati, if you can bank on Pitt winning four ACC games to get him to six, make it five to get him to seven, there's your over-under split right there. And I'm not saying that's easy. But also you have to keep in mind, West Virginia is, is a winnable game. Notre Dame is more of a coin flip, I think, than people can think. And I'm going to get more into that of course, as the summer goes along. We're going to take our final break here on the H2P podcast right here at DK Pittsburgh Sports. And when I come back, I want to talk about Pitt basketball because it's been quiet, kind of quiet. It's been kind of quiet since Jeff Capel acquired Ish Leggett from the transfer portal to shore up his guard room. And I want to talk about Blake Henson because he is testing for the NBA Combine. He is testing to get to the league. And I don't see that as a bad thing. Maybe some people would think, oh, he's going to go and get some you know, feedback that he might take to pit and maybe, lack of a better term here, ruin himself with. I don't think that's possible. I'll explain why on, in segment three, right here on the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. All right, segment three here of the H2P podcast on DK Pittsburgh Sports. Corey Christen with you. Gary Morgan is out this week. Let's talk Blake Henson first and foremost because he is testing in the NBA Combine. He is getting feedback from scouts. He is getting feedback from professionals that are going to look at his game and say, hey, here's what you need to do to get to that next level. I love this for Blake Henson. I've stated it before. I'll state it again. And I don't think this is going to be a bad thing for Blake in the slightest. I know that there might be some concern that Blake will get some feedback and will bring it back and try to, lack a better term here, play his way into the league and play his way up into the NBA. But when I think of Blake Henson and the way that he's coachable, in the way that he absorbs information, and the way that he most importantly is team-centric and is willing to put himself aside for the greater good and for the sake of the team. Remember, that was the whole theme from last year. Guys like Nellie Cummings and Greg Elliott and Jamarius Burton and Blake Hinson and the Twins and Fetty all coming together for the sake of winning, for the sake of a greater good. And Jeff Capel has talked about it, and that was his favorite part of the team was. So when you think of Blake Hinson, I expect nothing different from him. And I think this feedback that he's going to get from the NBA, and obviously we have not talked to Blake in a while, you know, I think this is going to be amazing for him. Let's talk about Jeff Capel in the transfer portal and what Pitt could possibly do to close out this offseason. Obviously, swing and a miss on Noah Thomason, right? The transfer from Niagara, you know, Jeff Capel put a lot of resources into him, put a lot of time into him, put a lot of recruiting visits into him, and obviously brought him in to visit Pittsburgh as well. Noah Thomason goes to Georgia. 
And that you know, obviously puts a dent into Jeff Capel's recruiting and to Jeff Capel's roster and maybe even into the plans for 2023 in this offseason. But right now, what Pitt has to supplement and to make up for the losses of a Nelly Cummings and a Greg Elliott and a Jamarius Burton and a Nike Sabandi to go forward into the 2023-24 season, there are still good players coming back, obviously, with an amazing front court. Basically, everybody from the front court, not named John Hughley, is coming back to this to this forefront, to this team, to this roster, to this really program that was able to build upon itself and make an NCAA tournament and win two games in that NCAA tournament in 2021-22, or 22-23, pardon me. But when I look at Ish Leggett and I look at Zach Austin and I look at the pieces that Jeff Capel has brought in this offseason to go along with that strong front court, and when you look at the backcourt of the freshmen, Dior Johnson, you look at Marlon Barnes, you look at Jalen Lowe, you look at Carlton Carrington, I think there's one piece left to get. And if Thomason was going to be that piece, we would have felt really good about Jeff Capel in the offseason by now. I'll, I'll put it this way. I still feel good about Jeff Capel and Pitt's offseason right now. However, what is that next step? What is that final piece? Because it's a swing and a miss on Noah Thomason once again. I think getting a three-point specialist, this is just my opinion. This is not me saying I know what Jeff Capel's going for. I haven't obviously spoken to him in a while. You know, I haven't looked at it in a while. But I think just based on paper and based on team need and team construction and team balancing, and I think balancing is the thing that is going to be sought after to finish out this transfer portal class. I think one more piece in that backcourt to shoot three-pointers and to take some of the pressure off of a Blake Hinson is going to be key. And I'm curious to know, how does Jeff Capel, he has one scholarship left, how does Jeff Capel fill it? What does he do to fill that final piece? What does he do to bring that last piece to the puzzle so Pitt can fit it, so Pitt can get back to the NCAA tournament, so Pitt can continue to win? Now there's going to be an expectation with this team, even though it's going to be built off of different players, even though a Nelly Cummings and a Greg Elliott, et cetera, are not going to be here in 2023-24. So, you have to adjust the expectations a little bit, but also you can look at Jeff Cable, ACC Coach of the Year. You can look at Blake Hinson. You can look at the Twins and Federico and players that have been here and have won with this team. And you can look at them and say, this team can get back next year if they can lead the young backcourt. This young backcourt, whether it hinges, whether the success of the season rather hinges on that young backcourt or not, is going to be fascinating to watch. Does Dior Johnson and the freshman Jalen Lowe and Carlton Carrington and then Marlon Barnes at small forward, are they huge helps to the success of this team? Are they players that perhaps hinder it a little bit? How does Jeff Capel coach and manage a young backcourt and you have a guy like Ish Leggett back there to be a veteran presence once again? That's going to be a fascinating storyline to follow. Pitt basketball is going to be really fun again, I think, in 23 and 24. And obviously as the offseason goes along and Jeff Capel fills out that final scholarship. We're going to find out exactly what the complexion and what the identity of this Pitt basketball team is going to be. A little bit of a shorter show this week, but thank you so much for tuning in to the H2P podcast, whether it was on the live stream on YouTube, whether it's later on on Apple Podcasts, on Google Play, on Spotify, wherever the podcasts are found, back on the YouTube stream. We appreciate you greatly. Please remember to subscribe and leave a rating, leave a comment. 
leave stars. We greatly appreciate that. And that goes a long way. Remember to subscribe to DK Pittsburgh Sports, where podcasts are found. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to the website, DKPittsburghSports.com. We always greatly appreciate that. And we always greatly appreciate your feedback. So for the H2P podcast, my name is Corey Christen. We'll talk to you next week.